good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I am speaking to you from Irvine, California. Hi, my name is Stephen G. Fullwood. I am the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project. I am coming to you from Harlem today, and it's a very hot day. Hot damn. Um, I'm Seth <laughs> um, I'm Rodney. I'm uh, currently the opinions editor at Hyperallergic, and uh, I am speaking to you from Newburgh, which I moved to about a year ago, and I'm sticking with it. Uh, this is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to think about things, figure out things out loud and together. So we're kind of nominally talking about dystopias, uh, specifically talking about um, kind of the particular sort of dystopia we seem to be creating for ourselves right now uh, in the United States. And the conversation's uh, gone in a few different directions. One thing I have to address prior to uh, kind of jumping into the, the rest of the podcast is a few weeks ago, we were talking about the, um, the vaccine stuff and COVID and everything. And um, we were kind of in the middle of an exchange. And I was talking about my, my confidence that when the story is finally done, um, the vaccines are not going to turn out to be 95% effective, that it seems pretty clear based on data coming out of Israel and the UK, um, that especially versus the Delta variant, and then the iterating variants that will come thereafter, um, that the vaccine is not going to be 95% effective. I, we're not getting into that. The podcast is not about that. I was, however, quite careless in summarizing the information about all-cause mortality uh, in Pfizer's recently released and final study on the vaccine because they destroyed the placebo arm. So that means we won't ever actually know what uh, the drug's long-term effectiveness is because they gave the, the vaccine to the control group um, or to the, the placebo group for a variety of reasons under the EULA, et cetera. Anyway, 14 people died in all, under all-cause mortality um, in the vaccine group, and 15 people died in the placebo group. And I incorrectly suggested that that meant that the that that number meant that the vaccine uh, was not really effective uh, in preventing uh, COVID deaths. That is not what that number means. Now, that is a separate. Uh, question, the study itself, even though this is misreported in the news all the time, the study itself is not about mortality, for, uh, is not about preventing death from COVID. Mm-hmm. That is not what the Pfizer study was for. Uh, that's not what it can show. It's not large enough to show that because the, the, because the IFR is as low as it is. It's meant to show whether it prevents hospitalization and, uh, and severe infection which it does show that at least over the six-month period that the, the vaccine was administered, that it does reduce severe infection uh, and hospitalization. All-cause mortality is an additional data point that, um, that studies will use in order to catch data that they miss in other parts of, uh, of the statistical breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really was not fair or accurate for me to gloss it in that way. And I apologize for doing that. So anyway, so that's it. 
uh, we are talking about, well, I, we're reaching back to our conversation from last week. Um, I, I should also tell our listeners this conversation uh, will be broken into two parts. We'll do our best to be, make it trackable and under both segments. So we're talking about switching up the format. You know, the three of us are kind of working that out. But um, but this one will be broken into two parts. So Seth has, I apologize for the long intro, but Seth has something specific that he wants to revisit with um, the piece that we talked about last week. He's done some additional research, being a researcher, um, and um, has some stuff to, to share about that. Okay, so I want to preface this by saying, I actually, what I did really doesn't rise to the level of proper re- research. <laughs> okay. It, it <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay, right. fair enough. Like I, I, all I did was chase down a few hyperlinked articles in Daryl Cooper's uh, initial, uh, Dallas Cooper's piece, the piece that we talked about, I think uh, right. two weeks ago. Um, yeah. we started talking about, um, mm-hmm. uh, Glenn, uh, it appeared on Glenn, Glenn, Glenn Greenwald's Substack, Outside Voices, uh, on, uh, under the title, author right. of the mega viral thread on MAGA voters, Daryl Cooper explains his thinking. So then we, so we started talking about this piece and, I have to apologize to the audience. I wasn't really prepared to have this conversation because I think I read the piece at like either 10.30 the night before or 10 o'clock in the morning. And I, th- no, I think it was, it was 10 o'clock in the morning and I was just kind of racing to get through it. And I said, because I didn't do my due diligence, I, I coming to it later and rereading it, I realized that I hadn't looked up a lot of the references mm-hmm. that Cooper makes and hadn't really honed in on some of the um, sort of, what's the word? Yeah, facile is is a good word. And in some cases, I think blatantly dishonest things that he says. So I'm just going to run through. I didn't, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do an exhaustive reread of the whole article, but I'm going to run through some of the points he makes. Okay. And some of this more sort of incendiary language he uses from the top of the article going down. So... I'm going to quote Cooper, and then I'm going to tell you um, some of the sources that he cites and what I found in looking at them. So Cooper says, near the top of the article, quote, but it's difficult, but difficult to describe since what, that whatever happened in 2020, this is a sentence fragment, so it, it won't read as a co- necessarily as a completely coherent thought, but since what, that whatever happened in 2020 was not a meaningfully democratic presidential election, the counting delays, then the hyperlink, the last minute changes, changes to election procedures. So I looked up the last minute changes to election procedures. Got to this piece called the American, um, this place called the American Mind, um, which had the flag waving, which, um, suggests that it might be more conservative an outlet than other places. Mm-hmm. And the title of the piece was Democrats versus the vote. So, you know, <laughs> from this sort of get go with that piece, you get a sense that, the, that the article is going to be a bit one-sided. I read it, and what it, and one of the things that um, stands out, uh, one of the uh, quotes that stand out to me from that piece is, what is clear from all these lawsuits is that the Democrats and these organizations are trying to change the rules governing the administration of the November election, while it seems like the Republicans are trying to preserve the status quo. There's a lot to... to, to, to wrangle about in that piece Mm -hmm. for sure but at the very least the piece is one-sided it's not talking about the ways in which 
Uh, so pandem- Cooper's mm-hmm. pieces, Cooper's pieces, one sided, or the one he cited is one sided. The one, the one, cited, the one right? he cited is one sided. Yeah. for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's so blinkered. Can, can, can I? Go ahead, well, go ahead, can yeah. I jump in and just say no, no, and just say yeah, it is. And and his entire piece is one sided. It's a side that is never honestly represented in the media. That was the point of talking about it. Yeah, but and I would and I would counter that. And I, I'm gonna get get through this, and I, and I and I hope that the audience will see this borne out i would i would counter that it's not seen in the media because it's not valid because it's 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 and because and it's, the, it's not the, it's not and, honest and okay so mm. and the the inverse implication of that mm-hmm. is that what the media deigns to cover no. is valid no no no, no. I'm, I'm not saying that i'm not saying but that. you just but you just said the reason it's not is because it okay, isn't you're right, you're right. the implication you're, you're right. being that you're they you're right you're right i i, I my mistake that's true that, okay that, my mistake it's not it's i don't know why it's not being held forth i actually would, would beg I, to because differ. the because the, the mainstream media is hopelessly biased on one side at this point. It was not always the case, but it is in it is hand in glove with the Democratic administration at this point. I'm not saying that's I, I, think shift. It's, I, I think d- it's I in hand in glove with capitalism. It's what story sells. Thank you. That's, well so okay but yeah. okay but actually but All right, Stephen, let me let me get through this. Let me let, let, me, let me let me let me just I just I have to toss this in because it's mm-hmm. just it's demonstrably I would say false because CNN viewership has disappeared down a hole mm-hmm. and Fox regularly outperforms. So if it, the all of these other competitive networks. So if it really mm. were about ad dollars and money, mm-hmm. then the New York Times would not have switched to a subscriber model. CNN would still be a growing network instead of a hopelessly shrinking network. CNBC wouldn't be shrinking. The network news wouldn't be shrinking. I'm not saying that that the mm-hmm. media doesn't have an underlying capitalist logic to it. Yes, it does. Absolutely. 1000%. Mm-hmm. No disagreement. But the idea that what is purely motivating these stories is dollars and cents, I do not think is the full story. There is an ideological, a deep ideological balance, uh, imbalance at work. So mm. sorry, I, I, I'll stop now. I, and, and you can and respond and then Seth can take it back up. But. I'm not, well, my only response is I want to do more digging because I thought that all network news was down, including Fox, and that Fox was being, you know, they were being pushed upon by um, the Newsmax. So I I, know I'm, I'm getting different kinds of, um, I need to do some thinking about that and some research. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, enough, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that we, we, we both. But we I don't think do. you would be dishonest with me. Let me just say that. I'm not thinking that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just I saying that. Yeah, I'd no. heard differently, I, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to get back to this, I w- and I want to make the point that I don't think that Cooper's position is is on is intellectually honest. But but let me let me mm-hmm. chase down some of these links again. Can or, I raise the more. bar for a second? Can mm-hmm. you find an example of him being dishonest rather than just you disagreeable? Okay, I'm, 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 let me this get, is let this me get, is that this is my main issue. Not okay, that me, I agree with Cooper. Okay, let, but let me get through I, it. I don't. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, so Republicans are trying to preserve the status quo according to the American mind. Cooper then says the unprecedented coordinated censorship campaign by big tech in defense of Biden and, and unprecedented coordinated censorship campaign by big tech is hyperlinked to an NPR story that says Facebook and Twitter limit sharing of the New York Post story about Joe Biden. Quote. Hunter Biden, right? What? 
The hunt, Hunter Biden, right? They're talking about the Hunter Biden. No, 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 no. Well, is see, this, this, this is this is part of the problem. Like he's conflating those things without saying he's conflating Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. He says in the piece, Cooper writes in defense of Biden. So we don't know which Biden yet. But the NPR story okay. he links to says um, has the title: Facebook and Twitter limit sharing of New York Post story about Joe Biden. Quote, okay. the New York Post published a series of stories on Wednesday, mm. citing emails purportedly sent by Biden's son, Hunter, that the news outlet says that it got from Trump's private attorney, Rudy Giuliani, and former Trump advisor, Steve Bannon. So mm-hmm. he's quoting, he's saying that this is an unprecedented, coordinated censorship campaign because Facebook and Twitter limited the sharing of a story by the New York Post, okay, the, one of the so, one of the most but, one of the but, most ridiculous tabloids in existence so, that, so, so that was is, that was wait, wait, but that used evidence that was garnered from Giuliani and 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 um, and Steve Bannon. That makes so. I this mean, is the so this is the dystopia that I think we are describing. Okay. I think that I I feel like our social networks are priming us to parse information in ways that are fundamentally distorted and skewed. Real Clear Politics doesn't even classify the New York Post as a far-right magazine. It doesn't. The New York Post is qualified as a center-right magazine that that publishes news with a conservative bent. To describe the New York Post as a tabloid is to completely disregard an entire segment of the population that have a different view of the world than you do, and or quite frankly, that I do, but that is not, but that should not be dismissed. It is not the National Enquirer. That is just not true. And I should emphasize the Hunter Biden story is true. It's true. Twitter regretted blocking access to the story. It reversed its decision. The story was true. That laptop was legitimate. That is an actual newsworthy event that was blocked by big tech. That's a fact. Yeah, you, d- I, let, let, me, let me say how far this goes. They blocked who two weeks ago? The World Health Organization, because the World Health Organization said that the vaccine might not be, or that the vaccine was not proven to be safe yet for people under 18. Facebook blocked who until they changed their statement. Right, but but here's here's a problem with all of that, is that regardless of whether you regard um, the New York Post as a legitimate news outlet or a tabloid, and and, and, and having read their... Uh, having seen their headlines and read various stories over the past years, I don't see how it's possible to regard them as, as, as. I would not. I would not go to them for that either. But CNN is that same way now too. Okay, wait. Let me get. Let me get back to it. the problem. Is that they quoting the evidence they got? They got from from Trump's attorney and Steve Bannon. That's not proper news. That's just, that, that makes no sense what, to me. What? So wait, news, so reporters have to rely on vetted, ethically upright citizens no, 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 to, no, no, to no, no, turn no, no. over but, their... No, 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 but, but they would have to at least have... They'd have to vet the stories. They would have to at least ask for the opposing point of view. They would have to say, okay, so... Where did this evidence come from, and has anybody else looked at been able to look at? Do this you evidence? think CNN does that now? 
Do you think that they ask for opposing points of view? No, but Washington, then Washington Post and the New York Times do. I mean, that's proper no, journalism, no, no, they, journalism they, practice. They, I, they don't because I could give because I, I can give you a laundry list. I mean, in no time at all, I could give you a laundry list of COVID-related stories and Russia-related stories that do not ever look for a contravailing opinion, and they're out there in mm. mass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to continue. So Cooper says, okay. we now know that the FBI and other intelligence agencies conducted covert surveillance against members of the Trump campaign based on, based on evidence manufactured by political operatives working for the Clinton campaign. So one source of this is the F, uh, a piece uh, in, by The Intercept uh, or published by The Intercept, which is titled The mm. FBI Informant Who Monitored the Trump Campaign, Stephen Halper, oversaw a CIA spying operation in the 1980 presidential election. So they have one person who they think uh, 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 monitored the Trump campaign and they connect him to something that, um, to his work as a CIA operative um, many, many, many years previous. Okay, second source is NP from NBC News, two, and which quotes, which has the title, two or four warrants letting FBI spy on ex-Trump aide Carter Page... Can can we make this the last point? Because I'm going to just grant your position. I just don't think it's. I, I don't think it's the point. But please finish, because I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you that this is biased and that I wouldn't go to this piece for like deep wisdom on what went <laughs> wrong in 2016 and 2020. I grant that, but he's not dishonest. This yeah. is this is this is. And if you were to apply the same emotional energy to mm. any number of stories mm. coming out of major media, major media outlets, you mm. would find the same insubstantial smoke in mm. their allegation. Like, the, the paper of record mm -hmm. and other mm -hmm. major outlets have become ideological mouthpieces for mm. an oligarchy mm -hmm. that has its own particular ideology. And that has not, and I, I used, you and I used to, I would argue day and night in defense of the New York Times for most of my life. Not that they don't make mistakes or whatnot. So I'm just going to grant your examples on Cooper, the time you spent digging on those. I checked the many of those links too. I did not find many of those stories convincing. There's one on Fox News about like how it was a plan from the Clinton campaign exactly. or whatever. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't buy that shit. No, of course that's not, of course that is not a convincing argument to me to fully explain what happened. It's not. But would I say that it's a that it's a dishonest bad faith argument? No. This is that person's experience of the world investing as much time as they're going to invest in something that reinforces their particular viewpoint as is happening all the time all over the place. And I would argue is happening in this conversation. Like you, you were motivated because that that piece kind of rubbed you the wrong way, and so you were motivated to go and pull it apart. And I'm with you. I think that your criticisms are absolutely valid. What I'm saying is that you could easily, it would be like shooting ducks in the same fucking barrel to do the same thing for the New York Times and the Washington Post and CNN and MSNBC and ABC and CBS and USA Today and Newsweek and Time. Like we are in an iron dome of ideology right now. 
Sorry, I'm quite animated about it. So mm-hmm. I concede your point on the Cooper piece. I concede it. You're, you're not wrong. But my main problem is that you are presenting the Cooper piece as being sort of like the flagship for this counter-narrative, right, that deserves our attention because so many people subscribe to it. And I want to say, for me, it's like people subscribing to whatever conspiracy theory. Like, that doesn't, the fact that they, people genuinely feel this way and feel left out by mainstream media, like their points of view are rendered invalid, doesn't necessarily make their points of view valid for me. Like, you can believe that. And yes, there's, mm. I'm sure there's evidence to be found that the so-called Russian collusion was a concerted effort by certain people mm. to discredit this man. I want to say there was several steps along the way to show mm-hmm. us that he was dishonest and that he could not be trusted. And when, and, and in the, in the, we're midst, talking about Trump. And in the midst of okay. this, when he meets with, Putin at whatever summit he had in, I don't, I don't remember the year. I want to say it's 2018, could have been 2019. And he takes the translator's notes and rips them up. Um, yeah. Well, I, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I'm with you. He's a dishonest person, so not trusting him was not crazy. Like, so of course I'm with you on that. Right. And, 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 and putting a lot of energy into investigating him and, and finding, uh, to try to find out the ways in which he might be colluding with the foreign power seemed absolutely worthwhile to me. My point is this. But when, did, can when, I ask you one quick, could I, one quick question? <laughs> uh-huh. Did the media ever admit its errors? Did, well, it, pe- did, did the, the, the reporters that pushed back against these bullshit narratives were, as we talked about weeks ago, were absolutely marginalized by the profession. If the you media mean like, is primary, You mean like Matt, Matt Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald? Yes, Matt Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald, and there's a couple of other people on that mm-hmm. list. Uh-huh. If, if the media's underlying raison d'etre was actual truth gathering mm-hmm. and stitching together the truth mm-hmm. from all of the opinions and bits that exist in the world, wouldn't those people have been welcomed back into the profession? But what you're doing, what you're doing, Travis, is you're, you're, you're kind of painting my position as being in defense of mainstream media. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm saying is just because they're the enemy uh, or the, the people like Daryl Cooper see mainstream media as the enemy doesn't mean that their p- point of view is valid to me. Like they're just as um, okay. But maybe you don't to, like the word dishonest. dishonest. They're just as okay. I don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But they're just as um, what's the word? Um, blinkered. Just as um, no. There's a better word. Um, they instrumentalize information to suit their. Mm. Their bias, right? So they're not, they're not being truthful. They're not looking honestly at things. So maybe, yeah, maybe the word I want to use it, not honest as opposed to dishonest. Like they're not looking at evidence in the ways that would get to some kind of truth. So just because mainstream media is fucking up and I'm, I'm with you. They are okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that people like Daryl Cooper is someone I should be paying attention to or be in conversation with because he's not doing any better. So, mm. um, let me back up for a second, Stephen. <laughs> I've been like, like I've been poking oh, no, no, stuff no, no, the whole time. I'm, so, like, I'm completely enjoying this because I'm because I variate from point to point with regards to how seriously should you take 
a person you disagree with. Um, if you feel like they're acting in bad faith, mm -hmm. there's something that I'm still peeling away at the humanity, you know, peeling at this is a position. There are people who do not believe in masks and they are now suing, you know, DeSantis is trying to make it so that it'll be hard for teachers or for the education, education department to make um, masking a mandate, like they'll be penalized for that, right? So this is an odd moment where you're looking at a public health issue conflated as a civil rights issue. Right. So I want to pay attention to that. And I am paying attention to that. Today's podcast is split into two parts. This is part one. Uh, this is also the last week we will be doing that uh, beginning in September. Um, our long form conversations will be unedited. Uh, and will be posted every other week. Uh, and on the off weeks, we'll be trying something new called the American Age Notes or Notes on the American Age um, that all three of us will be participating in separately. Um, so we hope you enjoyed this conversation and we hope you'll join us next week for part two. As always, thanks very much for listening.